In light of the COVID-19 crisis, we have adjusted our series to deal with important biblical principles that will help us in this time. I'm excited to be able to talk about what God has prepared for us in his word because God is not surprised by crisis. So today we're going to talk about dealing with your thoughts in crisis. It was the first Sunday in 2016, December of 2016, that I was in the most critical crisis that I can ever remember, the worst 12 hours of my life. Uh, We were in Nigeria and trying to get out. I had just finished up a message before thousands of Nigerians and was excited about what God had done. We had toured through the city to see some of the burned-out houses uh, because of the uh, religious persecution that was there, and we're headed to the flight that would take us to the mainland so we could fly back to the United States. It had been a long week of being able to minister to about a, a 60 Christian attorneys uh, in regard to Christian conciliation so that they could know how to coach and mediate those who desired to have help with their conflicts. But on our way to get on that plane, we got that faithful, fateful text that said the plane had been canceled. And in the midst of that crisis, the decision was we would drive the five-hour trip to the next available city that had an airport. Little did I realize what that drive would mean. It would mean driving over a road that had potholes that required the uh, driver to weave in and out and... Uh, and to rush at a great speed, uh, we found that we were rushing uh, uh, motorcycles off to the side, and we discovered that uh, we were also blowing past checkpoints uh, with soldiers with machine guns. I was wondering if, if anyone was going to be shooting back at us and hoped that all the piles of the luggage in the back would keep me safe. But all through that time, we were praying and praying and praying that the plane would not leave on time. Uh, We soon got there and had a good connection who got us through the line quickly. And next thing we knew, we were on the tarmac. And there were two planes sitting there. One was the plane that was supposed to leave at 3 o'clock. And then there was the plane that was supposed to leave at 5 o'clock. We were supposed to be on the 5 o'clock plane. But we were doing all we could to try to get on the 3 o'clock plane because we figured that one would go first. And as we waited and waited and waited, and as they attempted to try to get uh, uh, someone to let us on there through different gifts, uh, they uh, finally said they had room for two, but we had four passengers. So we declined and waited for our plane to leave. Well, the 5 o'clock didn't leave at 5. It didn't leave at 6. It didn't leave at 7. And we had to be at the next airport so we could fly out to Atlanta. And if we missed that plane, we would be stuck in Nigeria. So we prayed and we prayed and we waited and we prayed. And then finally, there was a plane that arrived that had had fuel that could get us to the mainland. And once we got there, uh, we were able to get to the uh, interior airport, which is uh, for the regional area, and got transferred all the way over to the international airport before the plane left. All that time, I've been praying that this plane would be just as late as all the rest. Little did I realize that the international flights, they wanted to not only have them be on time, they wanted to close them up early. So we rushed back 
behind the scenes and attempted to, to work with the person that was left there at the desk. And I remember pleading with him and pleading with him, almost to tears, because as I thought about this crisis that I was in, everything that had gone wrong uh, for that last 12 hours came crashing down on me. And as I think about that experience, it reminds me of how that our minds can get overthrown and how our emotions could get impacted uh, because of the crisis that is going on around us. Paul wrote about this in the book of Philippians. We know that chapter 4 has the encouraging words that tells us, do not be anxious. But in the following verse, he uh, encourages them to consider this. Finally, brethren... Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, if there is a good report, uh, if anything's praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Out of Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. God is calling us to utilize our thinking in these times of crisis because we have this opportunity to choose what we are going to think about. And I want to propose for us today three areas in which we need to ensure that we're thinking from a biblical perspective. And it's an easy outline because it's having a proper thoughts about God, proper thoughts about self, and proper thoughts about others. As we think about proper thoughts about God, one situation that comes to my mind is to realize that whatever we do, we need to do to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, His glory is to be in whatever. And it says this, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. We know that that is what the purpose of man is, is to bring glory to God, not draw attention to ourselves, not do things for ourselves, but instead to bring glory to God. In, the, in understanding the whatevers, it also is helpful to note that we should glorify God even in the what-ifs. While at that uh, church in Nigeria... I picked out a passage that I thought would be helpful to those that had been going through so much crisis. Several of them had lost loved ones through the time of persecution, and I was given this great honor to be able to share with them. It was somewhat interesting in that the man who was supposed to speak there was a known apologist that had uh, been brought to the country to, to help out, but he had double booked and he asked me to fill in for him. I didn't realize that they didn't know that until I got there. And so I was, uh, was getting prepared uh, while I was on the platform, thinking through the message that I had prepared for them that comes out of John chapter 11, where it talks of Jesus when he was with his disciples and he received that, uh, that special alert from his friends, Mary and Martha, that Lazarus was sick. And while he was with his disciples, he chose rather than to go with them, he chose to stay. And he stayed several days. And by the time he actually got to the place where Lazarus was, Lazarus, of course, had died. As we look at the what-ifs, we see that when Martha comes up to, to see Jesus in uh, uh, chapter 11, verse 21, he says, Lord, if you'd only been here, he would not have died. 
And Martha and Jesus have this great interaction talking about uh, how that uh, he is the resurrection and how that, that uh, Lazarus could come back to life. And, and you almost see a point where Martha is getting it as far as who Jesus is and what his power is. But as a result, time goes on. And the next thing you know, Mary is running up to, to see Jesus. And the thing he, she says is, Lord, if you had been here, Lazarus would have lived. Here's a situation where both these ladies saw the situation that only if, or what if you had been here, Jesus, this wouldn't have happened. As I think through the crisis that we're experiencing right now, it is very probable that we can get caught up in wondering how God can be glorified in these situations. How is it that I can behave in such a way that God is glorified? We will look at several ideas as we go through our sermon today, but I think that to start out with, we need to recognize that we need to see God as being big. We need to see God as being one who has the power over what is going on. So often, we look at our circumstances and we see our circumstances being that which is in control. But God wants us to realize, even when things are difficult, that God is indeed in control. And so, as Jesus was setting up this situation to meet with Mary and Martha, he said this, It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. This is what he shares with his disciples as to why Lazarus was going through what he was doing and why he was doing what he was doing, is that all was about the glory of God. Now, this was lost on the disciples, and they didn't quite understand what Jesus meant by it, but they would see soon what he was meaning when he desired for them to have a greater belief as they went through this story. And as he goes on to talk about this, the next thing we know is Martha comes up and says this, as Jesus comes to the tomb and wants the rock to be rolled away, she says to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus, of course, is overwhelmed with the lack of faith of those who are mourning and not realizing that the fact that God could do what God could do beyond what they thought God could do. They were convinced that Jesus could heal him, that they could make him no longer uh, sick to, to be able to help him to be healthy again, but they never imagined that, they, that Jesus could raise him from the dead. And here Jesus was going to the tomb, asking them to roll the stone away. And Martha, who had made great professions earlier on in the account, was now saying, this is not a good idea because that dead body is going to stink. With no faith that Jesus was able to do anything about the situation. But in the next verse, Jesus says this, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Jesus wants us also to realize in the time of crisis that those are times in which God can do things beyond what we think he is capable. And in the case of uh, Lazarus, when the, the sisters and all those around thought that if only Jesus had been on time, that something good could happen, that we might be like that. And that we're thinking if only God would do this, or if only God had done that, then maybe we wouldn't have the situations that we have. But God wants 
to show his glory even in the what ifs. The second area that we would want to look at is how that we can not only have the proper thoughts towards God, but also the proper thoughts towards self. A very important passage that we look at in times like this is in Romans chapter 8, where it says, All things work together for the good of those who love him. But sometimes we get stuck on that passage and we say, What's going on around us is not good. How could this be the result of a loving God? Or how could it be that maybe I don't love him well enough? But the point is, sometimes we don't understand what good is. For in the next verse, it says this, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Romans eight twenty nine. God has a plan that whatever we go through, the purpose of that plan can be used to conform us to his image. And so as we look at times of crisis, we can look at it as being something that is going to affect us negatively, something that's going to make our lives miserable, or something that is going to to bring to us a situation that we can't handle. Or we can look at it as something that might conform us to the image of his son. James looks at it this way in his uh, account uh, to those who had been dispersed, those that had gone through so many different trials. And he's writing a book of instruction, but it also is an instruction of hope. And he says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. It's very interesting that the first few words that, that he says comes to this. My brethren, count. The word count there is to kind of, in a sense, uh, make a summation of, come to a conclusion concerning. And what I'm tempted of, and as a matter of fact, what I went through when I was going through my time of crisis, was that I was considering all the bad things that were going to happen as a result of the fact that our flight was, can- was canceled and I would not be able to get back to the United States. You see, earlier that week, the day after Thanksgiving, we were scheduled to fly out to Nigeria, but our flight was canceled due to a strike in one of the minor transitions somewhere in Europe. And as a result, we could not get that remedied other than to cancel that flight get refund, and purchase a new ticket, which at that time was the day after Thanksgiving and was on that day of the flight. And it had automatically doubled the cost of my trip. So I was already thinking about the fact that this trip was costing too much money. So when I was in that back room with that uh, uh, airline person and we were looking at the prospects of having to cancel another flight, I was thinking of tripling the cost of my uh, experience and I thought my God didn't have enough money for that. I thought about spending another day in Nigeria and I thought my God didn't have a plan for that. And my thoughts were going all to different areas other than then the situation was in God's hands. So that what I needed to do was instead of counting up the money and counting up the cost of what was going on, I needed to be counting up the fact that God had all things in control. 
that he provided all the money up front for what we needed to get there. He would provide the rest of the funds. And that for what, uh, what potential pride that I would be uh, having rubbed against, that I would be able to humble myself before those that had contributed to the fund and were helping us be able to do this. And recognizing that God is the one who takes care of these type of things. So when we weigh and compare, it's better not to weigh and compare our situations. Because I find myself doing that regularly uh, with our uh, current COVID-19 situation. Going to the website and seeing what the progress is, looking at the charts, looking at the bars, and seeing how things are going. How fast is it spreading in the United States? How much, what's still going on in China? What's happening in Italy? And I'm starting to count all of that and evaluate it. And there's nothing wrong with that, and we're glad for those who understand all those numbers and such. But the reality is, no matter what happens with those things, God is still God, and he is doing a work in us. And that as we recognize that work to conform us to the image of his son, we count that, we summarize that, we see that, and as a result, we can count it as joy. The next word that I see that is interesting in this passage is the same word that we looked at a couple weeks ago when we looked at the Good Samaritan and how that that man who was going from Jerusalem to Jericho fell among thieves. Here, Jesus, here James is reminding us of the fact that there are times when we just fall upon something. We can do all we can to try to avoid contracting the disease. Uh, we can do all we can to uh, make sure that we're financially stable and, and everything that we feel is in our power, but there still might be something that might happen. We may fall into it. We may come upon it in a way that wasn't our reaping what we've sown. It may just be the natural impact of the sin-cursed world. And we must realize in those situations that God gives grace. And not only does he give grace, he uses those opportunities to test us so that we can develop and develop faith that will produce patience. That word produce is a word that has the concept of something uh, working out and developing into something special. And that patience will have its perfect work and that we may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That means we become more like our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we've looked at in regard to the time of crisis, it's critical to see God from a biblical perspective. God is one who wants us to seek to glorify him in these difficult times, that we can be able to illustrate that we indeed have a heavenly father that will care for us, that we can show that we believe that he truly is in control, that we'll be responsible as stewards, but that we'll also believe that he will take care of us in the way in which he as a heavenly father will do. Also, we can note in that time that God will be do, using this situation to conform us to the image of his son. So it's the, uh, the proper thoughts about God, the proper thoughts about ourselves, and also our proper thoughts about others. A very common portion of scripture that is also in the book of Philippians comes out of chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Here's what Paul says as he's encouraging the people of Philippi to be concerned about one another. He says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you 
look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Out of Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. It's very tempting during these times to do all we can to take care of ourselves, to make sure we have the supplies that we need, to make sure that we are protected. And all those things are good stewardship. But Paul is exhorting us not only to be concerned about our own interests, but also about the interests of others. That requires us, in a sense, to step out of our own thinking about ourselves and consider what life might be like for what the others are going through, which, ask, which encourages us to ask the question, what are they experiencing? It's possible some of the people that uh, are around us are experiencing a fear of loss or a legitimate loss that in a sense that they are overwhelmed with what is going on. They have been glued to the television, they've been glued to all the statistics, and they're only thinking about the, uh, how bad things are and how bad they can get. And they are petrified with fear. And we could be the ones who could come alongside them to comfort them, encourage them, not scold them for their fear, but offer them an opportunity to have hope in what our relationship is with God. Also, there are those who might be struggling with an anger over mistreatment. During times like this, individuals are not going to be treated in ways that they feel fairly or they may not even be fairly. And as a result, anger and resentment might boil up within them and bitterness might be taking root. How can we come alongside those that might be struggling with bitterness and anger to give them encouragement that God has answers and God can be there to be a source of help in their time of need? Others might be frustrated with the process. Maybe things are going okay for them, but they're just going too slow, or they're just not going the way in which they want. How can we come alongside them to be a, an encouragement to them? Maybe there's some ways we can help them in the process if they don't quite understand how things are working out. Another area might be is that they just have a longing to be understood. I think this is a great time for us to to initiate some conversations that gives people an opportunity to talk and for us an opportunity to listen. Phone calls are, are still available today and would be a great resource to, uh, and a great venue to be able to connect with people and give them an opportunity just to share maybe their fears, maybe their frustrations, maybe even their anger so that they feel like someone understands. And in that process, you can pray with them and be a source of encouragement to them from that. And then finally, there are times when people are desiring to protect someone or something. A crisis like this is very scary. And it has the prospects of, of really ruining a lot of things. People's finances, people's health, relationships. Uh, the stress that comes with uh, uh, having family that, that is not used to being together and now are spending a great deal of time together, running out of good ideas on how to do things. And these people might be uh, uh, trying to help loved ones or in that situation. There might be young adults that are fearful for their grandparents or their parents in regard to their susceptibility to the situation. And they may be going out of their way to try to, uh, to ensure that there is, is safety in those situations. And we need to understand that sometimes that type of uh, emotion uh, can come across differently to us. And 
And in all these things, we just encourage the importance of looking at life from their perspective. Not to be judgmental, but to be helpful, to wisely pray, to have words seasoned with grace so that we can be a source of encouragement. We've looked at this verse before out of Luke chapter 6 when Jesus gave that radical statement that we should love those that are our enemies. And I want to remind us about this verse as we close our time today because these are significant responses to time of crisis. The important response is not to figure out how can I take advantage of it, how can I protect myself, although you do need to protect yourself, but the most important thing is to think about how can I use this opportunity to love people in ways I haven't had an opportunity to in the past. And as Jesus said these words, he says, but if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. There's going to be some times when it might be appropriate for us to come alongside someone and be willing to give to them something that we never intend for them to be able to pay us back. But that's a way in which we can extend the love and grace of Jesus Christ to those that God has as our neighbors. And he goes on to say this, be merciful just as your father also is merciful. Just a gentle reminder that this is a time when we can kind of lose our patience. This is a time when we can get overwhelmed ourselves with what is going on and as a result find ourselves being a little picky with other people, frustrated with them, irritated by them. And God is calling us to, re to remember those who have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we have experienced the great amount of mercy. Romans 5.8 reminds us this, that, uh, that in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that is the demonstration of God's love. And may we, as those who have experienced the mercy of, of God, be willing in this time, when our patience is going to be tested, uh, when we are going to be stretched, when we are going to have to go without some things, when we're going to be asked to do some things that we uh, aren't always comfortable doing, when we won't have the things that we're used to having, or even when we have some things that go that are very, very difficult and even harmful to us, we are going to need to remember that God has granted to us mercy and it's our responsibility to be able to let that outflow from us as we show mercy to others. We want to encourage you during this time of great crisis that your God loves you and that he has a desire for you to have a personal relationship with him. He desires for you to know that he is in control of things and that all of this has not caught him off guard but that he has a desire that through this you will see him for who he is, that you will recognize that you can be obedient and glorify him through this situation and that in these situations he can be glorified and seen bigger than anyone ever would have thought. And it takes great faith to depend on these things. We want to encourage you also that that relationship is designed to help you really understand yourself, how that God has created you 
and how that God desires that you continue to become like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't put things in your life just to make it hard for you for the sake of it being hard. He has a desire that you might be able to come through it better than what you were before you went through it. And so we exhort you and encourage you to embrace the truth of God's word, that he loves you and he wants to be able to use even these trials to help you become more like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then finally, the way in which we are able to be most like God is that we are able to emulate not only his grace by being willing to give, but also his mercy by, be, by being willing to be patient and to allow people a little bit of grace while they go through these different things. Let's think of how we can give someone a benefit of the doubt when we're very frustrated and going through some difficulties. We thank you again for joining us today, and we trust that God has given you hope and encouragement through his word. Let us pray. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we thank you for the privilege of being able to share your word. You have given us so many wonderful biblical principles to remind us that uh, you are a God who we can bring glory to and that you can be glorified in even times of crisis. We thank you that you have created us in such a way that we can become like your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and that even these difficult times can help us experience that. And Father, that you have given us the privilege of being able to represent you, to share the truth of your gospel, and to be able to share your love and your mercy with others. Help us to be able to do that uh, throughout this week as we are hampered and incapable of doing some of the things that we are so used to doing. Help us be creative and help us to be intentional to uh, show love to others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.